0: working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana.
1: And financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Patrick Callanan.
0: And I'm Sarah Callanan. And now for your environmental headlines. The Energy News Network reports that Indiana's busiest energy-related legislative session in years saw more action last week with the passage of a House bill to standardize large-scale renewable energy regulations and a Senate bill regarding refinancing of closing coal plants. WFHB has reported on these initiatives previously and will follow progress throughout the session. Both bills are written in broad strokes in keeping with the transition to clean energy. But advocates say they have concerns about both and want to see major changes before bills pass the full legislature. The refinancing bill, SB 386, that passed the Senate by a vote of 39-11 to on Monday, would institute securitization, a measure typically seen as a way to protect ratepayers from continuing to pay for the guaranteed investor profit margins on a coal plant even after the coal plant has closed. But Kerwin Olson, Executive Director of Citizens Action Coalition, said it lacks the mandates to actually protect customers while benefiting investors and utilities. The siting bill, HB 1381, that passed the House by 58-38 to on Wednesday, creates uniform setbacks, decommissioning requirements, regulations on wind turbine height, sound and shadow flicker, and other standards for renewable energy and it generally prohibits localities from instituting their own more restrictive measures. The renewables industry has long called for uniformity and state oversight, and renewable developers, the Indiana Chamber of Commerce, and the Clean Grid Alliance support the bill. Statewide standards can prevent municipalities or counties from passing moratoriums on all renewable development, or standards so restrictive that they are essentially bans. But the Hoosier Environmental Council and others worry that the siting bill in its current form undercuts communities' ability to develop renewables in environmentally friendly ways that don't negatively impact surrounding land. An amendment adopted Tuesday appeared on the surface to address those concerns, but included caveats that could allow developers to circumvent local wishes, as critics see it.
1: S&P Global Marketing reports that Northern Indiana Public Service Company will retire two units at the Schaffer Coal Plant by the end of the year as part of an accelerating transition to cleaner energy resources, executives at the parent company Nysource Inc. said on February seventeenth, The Nysource subsidiary, or NIPSCO, Previously announced in September 2018 plans to shut down its remaining coal capacity within 10 years, beginning with the Schaffer units in Jasper County, Indiana, followed by the Michigan City coal plant in LaPorte County. The company determined that the right path forward was to initiate the retirement of two of the four coal units at Schaffer, said "Nisource Chief Strategy and Risk Officer Sean Anderson, on the company's fourth quarter 2020 earnings call. Units 14 and 15 will retire by the end of 2021. With changes that are going on across the industry right now, It starkly demonstrates that reliability and capacity are essential and that the integrated resource planning process itself is critically important, my source president and CEO Joseph Hamrock said on the earnings call. NIPSCO is focusing on a combination of wind, solar, and storage capacity to replace its coal generation. About $1.8 billion to $2 billion in renewable energy investments will be added to sources rate base by the end of 2023 as the company transitions its generation facilities.
0: President Biden has signed an executive order creating a Civilian Climate Corps, echoing the Civilian Conservation Corps from Franklin D. Roosevelt's New Deal 90 years ago. The Corps, Biden said, will offer good jobs to young people and train them for environmentally friendly careers. According to a recent survey by Data for Progress, about 70% of Americans support such a Corps. Unlike the original Civilian Conservation Corps, which was open to men only, the new climate version would be open to all young people. The Civilian Climate Corps would concentrate on more than conserving public lands, such as building green stormwater management systems, installing solar panels on houses, cleaning up toxic waste sites, and developing urban gardens. Biden's order says that the Corps should, quote, Bolster community resilience, end quote, and, quote, address the changing climate, end quote.
1: Florida panthers have teetered on the edge of extinction for decades. They've been on the federal endangered species list since 1967. Only 120 to 30 panthers are left. Now, a group of southwest Florida landowners called the Eastern Collier Property Owners is promoting a plan to build a housing development in the Panthers' last remaining habitat. The Eastern Collier Property Owners, it turns out, have been paying the salaries of staff at the local U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service office. That same office is reviewing the landowner's development plans to build in the Panthers' habitat. As the environmental law firm Earth Justice put it, quote, The financial arrangement casts doubts on the, the agency's ability to make a fair decision. Quote. Collisions with vehicles are the leading cause of Florida Panther deaths. Last year, on average, a road accident killed a panther about every three weeks. The proposed development would bring 300,000 new residents and about 225,000 new cars into panther habitat. A so-called habitat conservation plan that the developers have proposed could be approved soon, paving the way for 45,000 acres worth of development. Kevin Bell, staff attorney at Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, said, quote, It isn't hard to guess how that review will come out when the McMansion lobby is literally
0: paying their salary. End quote. The dramatic cold snap that devastated Texas's power grid also had a major impact on the state's non human inhabitants. In particular, the freezing temperatures are cold stunning endangered sea turtles, making them so cold that they lose the ability to swim or feed. You could put a cold stunned turtle in a half an inch of water and they drown, Wendy Knight, Executive Director of Conservation Nonprofit Sea Turtle Incorporated, told the New York Times. Turtles can become cold-stunned when temperatures fall below 50 degrees Fahrenheit, according to the Washington Post. But that is unusual for South Padre Island, a beach town at the southern tip of Texas where Sea Turtle Incorporated is located. Usually, volunteers might rescue dozens to hundreds of cold-stunned turtles. But by February 16th, more than 3,500 turtles had been rescued and brought to the town's convention center, where they were being warmed in kiddie pools and tarps, the Post reported. It is unclear how many of the rescued turtles will ultimately recover, volunteers told the Washington Post. Knight told the New York Times that the cold stunning event could impact the turtles' overall population. Five Texas sea turtle species are listed as threatened or endangered, according to the Fish and Wildlife Service. The turtles aren't the only ones harmed by the cold spell. A chimpanzee, several lemurs, and monkeys, and many tropical birds died at an animal sanctuary near San Antonio after the facility lost power. The San Antonio Express News reported... ABC News in Flint, Michigan, reports that the frigid
1: temperatures across the United States have been difficult to handle in the South. Energy companies are conducting rolling blackouts throughout the country to help conserve what little power they can provide right now. In Texas, Republican lawmakers are blaming the wind turbines frozen by the unusually low temperatures. But experts say that renewable energy sources are only make up a fraction of energy in the state. The real problem is frozen natural gas pipes. More than 400 wind turbines operate in Michigan, but something similar to what happened in Texas won't happen in Michigan. The turbines are built to handle temperatures as low as minus 30 degrees Celsius. Wind turbines can be designed to operate in whatever weather conditions they're expected to see, wherever they're located. Knowing Michigan's weather, the wind turbines across the state are equipped with what are called cold weather adaptation packages. Heat is supplied to the turbines to prevent them from freezing up and failing to operate.
0: On December 24th, a coalition of indigenous groups, businesses, and conservation organizations sued the Trump administration over its arbitrary and reckless removal of roadless protections for the nearly 17 million acre Tongass National Forest in Alaska, warning that the rollback could devastate local communities, wildlife, and the climate. Earth Justice and the Natural Resources Defense Council filed the lawsuit in the U.S. District Court in Alaska on behalf of regional tribes, businesses, and conservation groups. The complaint notes that the largest national forest, located in southeast Alaska, is central to the way of life of three native peoples who have lived in and depended on the forest since time immemorial. The U.S. Forest Service move moved to exempt the forest from the roadless rule, finalized just days before President Donald Trump lost re-election, would open up more than nine million acres of the Tongass, with its century-old trees that provide crucial carbon sequestration to logging and road building.
1: The Chevron oil refinery in Richmond, California, has spilled approximately 600 gallons of oil into the San Francisco Bay, This bill is the latest in a long line of environmental and public health dangers linked to the company's accidents in Richmond. The highly polluting refinery is older than the city of Richmond, which is located 12 miles from San Francisco, and has a population of about 110,000. Richmond is a notorious site of environmental racism. About 80% of the residents are people of color, and the spill disproportionately affected African Americans, Latinx people, working class, and migrant Asians, and working class and poor whites. Almost 20% of Richmond families live near the poverty line. Richmond has higher rates of cancer than do other parts of the country, and about 20% of the children have asthma, double the rate in the country as a whole. The spill has reinvigorated a local campaign to rid Richmond of the refinery. Richmond City Council member Gail McLaughlin, a former Green Party member who was mayor for eight years, said she was planning to establish a task force to assess how the city can force the refinery to leave. She says she's willing to do, quote, whatever it takes, end quote, to make the refinery leave after 100 years of doing business in Richmond.
0: As the former and current administration's endangered species policies battle for prominence, Wisconsin's wolves are caught in the crosshairs, literally. When the Trump administration delisted gray wolves from the Endangered Species Act, it triggered a Wisconsin law requiring the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources to hold a wolf hunt from mid-October through February, Wisconsin Public Radio reported. The DNR originally said it would wait until November 2021 to prepare a hunt, but hunting advocates sued to speed up the process, and last week, a judge ordered the board to prepare a February hunt. This prompted the DNR to set a quota on Monday of 200 gray wolves that can be killed before the end of the month. Wildlife advocates opposed the move, pointing out that the rushed hunt will take place during the wolves' breeding season. Quote, you remove one, you're essentially destabilizing and killing the entire pack, end quote. Friends of the Wisconsin Wolf and Wildlife Executive Director Melissa Smith told Public News Service, the current wolf population in Wisconsin is estimated to be around 2,000.
1: NPR reports that researchers with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration believe they have identified a new species of whale in the Gulf of Mexico. The rice's whale is a filter feeder that can grow to 42 feet. It's also critically endangered. There are believed to be fewer than a hundred of them left. It was only in the 1990s that scientists first determined the small whale population was living in the northeastern Gulf of Mexico year-round. Marine biologists thought they were Brutus whales, members of a species that lives in warm waters around the world. Patricia Rosell, a research geneticist with NOAA Fisheries, says, quote, The first clue we had that there might be something unique, really more unique about them, came from genetic data we collected in the mid-2000s, 15 years ago, end quote. That genetic data suggested this was a new species. To confirm that, Roselle and her colleagues needed morphological data, information showing that the skulls of the whales in the Gulf were different from those of their close relatives. They finally got that information in 2019 when a whale was stranded in southwest Florida.
0: According to John Church, a staff member at the University of New South Wales Climate Change Research Center, quote, if we continue with large ongoing carbon emissions as we are at present, we will commit the world to meters of sea level rise over coming centuries, end quote. Church was responding to the findings of a new study by Australian and Chinese researchers that confirms scientists' warnings from recent United Nations reports about how sea levels are expected to rise precipitously in coming years because of the human activity that's driving global heating. The research, published in the journal Nature Communications, discovered that projections for sea level rise during this century are, quote, on the money when tested against satellite and tide gauge observations, end quote, as summarized in a statement from the University of New South Wales. Church added that the potential remains for larger sea level rises, and thus it's critical to attempt to fulfill the commitments of the Paris Accord by significantly reducing emissions. The Accord's goal is to limit the global temperature rise during this century to 2 degrees Celsius and preferably to 1.5 degrees Celsius as compared to pre-industrial levels. Researchers at the University of Copenhagen's Niels Bohr Institute recently found that under the worst-case scenario, the sea level could rise about 4.4 feet by the end of this century.
1: Under draft legislation that Germany's cabinet passed, the country's farmers will have to gradually lower their use of glyphosate, the active ingredient in Bayer's herbicide Roundup, and cease applying it altogether by 2024. Environmental Minister Svenja Schultz explained in a statement, quote, "The exit from glyphosate is coming." Glyphosate kills everything that is green and takes away insects' basis for life. End quote. In 2015, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, a World Health Organization agency, declared glyphosate a probable human carcinogen. Bayer, while denying claims that Roundup causes cancer, agreed in June to settle almost 100,000 lawsuits by people claiming to have developed cancer from exposure to Roundup. The settlement was for $10.9 billion. Under the draft German legislation, The use of herbicides and insecticides that could harm bees will be banned in certain areas. Bees are in sharp decline around the world, partly because of pesticide exposure. The law has yet to be passed by both Germany's lower and upper houses of parliament.
0: The President of Mexico, Andrés Manuel López Obrador, began 2021 by issuing a decree that will phase out the use of the herbicide glyphosate and genetically modified corn in the country by 2024. Glyphosate is the active ingredient in the herbicide roundup. In addition, the presidential decree states that Mexico will no longer grant permits for the use of genetically modified corn seeds. The decree gives private companies until January 2024 to replace glyphosate with sustainable, culturally appropriate alternatives to, quote, safeguard human health, the country's biocultural diversity, and the environment, end quote. The health impacts of glyphosate include acute poisoning, kidney and liver damage, imbalances in the intestinal microbiome and intestinal functioning, Cancer, genotoxicity, endocrine disruption, reproductive and development reduction, neurological damage, and immune system dysfunction. In 2016, the World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer designated glyphosate as a probable human carcinogen. Bayer, the manufacturer of Roundup, has spent the last few years involved in lawsuits over the health impacts of exposure to the herbicide. Courts have ordered the corporation to pay billions of dollars in damages to plaintiffs. As to banning genetically modified seeds, the decree holds that the current use of genetically modified corn in Mexico contaminates age-old native varieties of corn and encourages the use of dangerous pesticides.
1: Current global temperatures average 1 degree Celsius higher than 1880 when records became available worldwide. A controversial new climate study has found that even if greenhouse gas emissions were halted tomorrow, it might not be enough to stop temperatures from continuing to rise. The study, published in Science Reports, was conducted by two researchers at a Norwegian business school. They used a climate model to determine that even if emissions ceased tomorrow, the permafrost would continue to thaw for hundreds of years. The publication is making an impact because it says we've passed the point of no return. Lead author and professor emeritus of climate strategy, Jurgen Randers, said quote, According to our models, humanity is beyond the point of no return when it comes to halting the melting of permafrost using greenhouse gas cuts as the single tool. If we want to stop this melting process, we may have to do something in addition. For example, suck CO2 out of the atmosphere and store it underground, or make Earth's surface brighter. However, many scientists have pointed to the simplicity of the model Randers and his colleague Ulrich Goluca used and cautioned against misinterpreting their findings as a reason to give up on climate action. Quote, The paper clearly may be cited in support of a misleading message that it is now too late to avoid catastrophic climate change, which would have the potential to cause unnecessary despair, end quote. University of Exeter climate scientist professor Richard Betts said in response, So what exactly does the study say? The researchers used their model to see what would happen by 2,500 if emissions stopped today or if they slowly declined to zero by 2,100. In the first scenario, temperatures would still rise to around 2.3 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels within the next 50 years, taper off, then rise again starting in 2150. By 2500, the world would be around 3 degrees Celsius warmer, and sea levels would rise by around 10 feet. In the second, temperature and sea level rise would end up in the same place, but the temperature increase would be much faster. The reason for the persistent increase comes from three feedback loops, the model found, All three of the effects have been known for years. 1. The melting of sea ice, which means that the sun's heat is absorbed into the darker ocean instead of reflected back by the bright ice. 2. The thawing of permafrost, which releases more greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. 3. Increased moisture in the atmosphere, which in turn raises temperatures. The study, authors were the first to admit their findings were limited to one model. Penn State University meteorologist Michael Mann said the model was too simple as a predictor.
0: For Eco Report, I'm Sarah Callanan. And I'm Patrick Callanan. And now for our events calendar. A hike to the mouth of Echo Canyon is scheduled at McCormick's Creek on Saturday, February 27th from 2 to 4 p.m., Trail 3 is well known for its splendor through the canyon, but where the canyon meets the White River is just as special and important. Meet at the CCC Recreation Hall and be ready for a long hike to a floodplain with rare plants, history carved in stone, and one of the naturalists' favorite ravines.
1: The Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Area is hosting a Sandhill Crane Viewing Day on Saturday, February 27th. From 9 to 11 a.m. Meet at the Visitor Center to watch one of North America's greatest migration spectacles. You will attend a brief presentation, then carpool to a nearby area to view flocks of cranes. Registration is required. To register, go to SandhillCranesGoosePondFeb27.eventbrite.com face masks, and social distancing are required.
0: A full snow moon hike is scheduled at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, February 27th from 7 to 7.45 p.m. Join Anthony for a one-mile, partially rugged, moonlit hike to learn the history and folklore of the full snow moon. Registration is required at sbelt@dnr.in.gov. at dnr.in.gov or call 812-849-3534. The New Winter Hiking
1: Club that was recently started by the Monroe County Public Library plans to discuss by Zoom the Porter West Reserve on Sunday, February 28th from 2 to 3 p.m. The club gives people the experience of hiking area trails by sharing photos sketches and recordings taken while outside walking the woods and fields in winter if you are interested in participating after hiking the trail you can register at mcpl.info
0: the indiana audubon society will be presenting the march edition of pints and passerines on barn owls of indiana learn about their status distribution and how you can help them The Zoom event takes place on Wednesday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. The event is free, but registration is required. Contact Sam Warren at swarren at indianaaudubon.org.
1: And that wraps up our show for this week. ECO report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpi
0: com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Today's feature was produced by IER reporter Enrique Sands. David Lyman wrote the script, and Linda Green and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly compiled the events. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show.
1: For WFHB, I'm Patrick Callan. And I'm Sarah Callanan and this is eco report